pray together a moment. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. Praise Jesus for that. I invite you to pray with me. Jesus, we thank you for your coming. Oh, night divine. Fall on our knees. Just thank you now that we get to talk about you. As we've sung about you. We've experienced you. And now we just pray that we would hear from you. Each one of us would be willing to listen to what you would say to us. We take down some of the barriers we may have. Just listen today. Pray that you would speak clearly. We'd embrace you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. If you could have a seat, that'd be wonderful. And so our church, in the last few weeks, uh, in the Advent season, uh, that we have uh, been observing the traditional Advent, which we culminated today with the lighting of the Christ candle, and uh, we've been looking at it through this theme of Behold the King. And it's been very helpful for us, and as we've, the last three weeks specifically, we've looked at Jesus as prophet, priest, and king, and today we're going to kind of wrap all that up, but what I want to do today, instead of taking the segments, is I want to just take that word behold today. We're going to look at the word behold, and I'm just going to ask you to be willing to walk with me and behold Jesus, to look at him, because when we behold him, The Bible says that we can actually be transformed and changed and have an extraordinary life. So I want to talk about some moments where beholding actually can change us. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I love watching. I'm just a nature freak, and so I love being in nature. And and one of the things that about nature is, is many times you're just left in awe, right? You're almost speechless sometimes about what you see and what you experience. Uh, You you know, must like a sunset. You see sunsets, well, there's a picture of one. I didn't realize this when we were building our facility here, but we're on top of Sunset Ridge, and so it's just every night during the winter, we get these amazing, beautiful sunsets, and so so many times you see a sunset, it's just glorious, and it takes you to a different place. It may have been sometime when you saw that super moon that we just had. I remember when that super moon, uh, the morning of, I was driving down Rough and Ready Highway, it almost seemed to be setting right down here in the middle of the highway. It was just glorious, and it just changed my perspective that morning. And maybe for you, it was uh, thinking about the total eclipse of the sun that we just got to experience. You know, we have one of our band members actually drove all the way up to the Northwest to be right in the path. (coughs) Oh, I'm sorry. (coughs) I just hunked a loogie back there. (laughs) Oh, man, at least it didn't come out, right, on the floor. Woo, that would have been terrible. So we have this this lunar eclipse, right? (laughs) I'll get back, okay. So I grew up in Oklahoma, and so don't hold that against me. It's a great place to be from, and so it's a wonderful experience. But I was landlocked, and I didn't see the ocean until I was 31 years old. I mean, I was so deprived. I finally got to see the ocean. One of my favorite places to see the ocean is Carmel, and this is if you walked along ocean, the ocean front there, this is, you see the waves that come in just like that as well. They just take your breath away. Maybe for you, it was the first time that you went to Yosemite and you saw Bridal Veil Falls. Oh my, I'll never forget uh, the first time I backpacked there, and as we were, uh, had been back in the wilderness a whole week, and we came, at, and we were coming down into the valley, just seeing the beauty of Yosemite, it just took my breath away. Of course, we were exhausted, too, and we were, couldn't wait to get to burgers at the bottom, uh, but it was wonderful to actually see that and go there. So 
creating all. Maybe for some of you, it was the first time you went to the Grand Canyon. I remember when I lived in Phoenix and got to go to the Grand Canyon for the first time. It was before they built this thing. You know, I look at this and I think, there's no way I'm even going out on that, right? Even though they say it's safe, it's too high for me. But you see the Grand Canyon, you just experience that. Maybe for some of you, it was the first time you saw Old Faithful. My early 20s, I got to see Old Faithful and uh, just was blown away by this magnificent uh, feat that we get to watch. Uh, maybe for some of you, you had a sense of awe the first time you saw Mickey at Disney, right? Oh, you finally get to see him, and it just thrilled your heart in every way. For some of you, though, it might have happened last week when you got to see Star Wars, The Last Jedi, right? <laughs> oh, my. Uh, that was awesome. I just have to say this. We said, well, a guy on our staff has actually seen it four times. Uh, And he told me just now he's going to see it the fifth time tomorrow or sometime this week and see that movie. See, there's some things that we see or we anticipate. They create this feeling of awe inside of us, and it makes us want to look at them as much as possible because when we see these things of beauty, they literally change us. They literally transform us. Uh, I'll never forget the moment I got to behold my children. Uh, Here's a picture of Ryan right after his birth. And we were holding him, and just it was a wonderful experience for us. And then we got a couple days later, he was home from the hospital, and there I am, just you know, holding him and adoring him, beholding. It was just a wonderful experience, and thinking I'm a dad. I didn't know what to do with him, so I was trying to figure it out, you know. But it was just a wonder to be able to think that you're dad. And now here's a picture of my daughter Jordan. Uh, We got to see her five hours after she had been delivered and hold her for the first time in the hospital and then adopted her to be such a cherished part of our family. And we just, Kim's there beholding her. I got to watch her Christmas concert recently, uh, probably the last one of the senior at her school. And, and I was just sitting at the back and watching her up there in the choir singing. I couldn't look at anyone but her that night. Just like, I was so proud of her, so in love with her as I beheld her. You know, when we behold things, it moves us deeply. Now, I had a more recent experience with beholding something spectacular two weeks ago. I had the privilege of going fly fishing for steelhead trout on the Trinity River outside of Reading, and I caught my first steelhead. I got to tell you, there's nothing like that experience. I got on a fly rod, got to catch that. And so here I am on the river holding up my, you know, that 23 and a half inch bad boy there. And uh, just for, you know, I was, you can see I'm just glowing there. But then I realized it was catch and release. (laughs) What? (laughs) Catch and release. Uh, So just know, no fish were hurt in that picture, okay? I just want you to know that, to get that picture for me. There's something power, powerful in beholding. And when we behold things, we use words like awesome, incredible, amazing, intense, unbelievable. We say it's exhilarating. We say it's indescribable. We even say inconceivable. We think about those kinds of things. We say, ah, wow, when we behold beauty. When you see something that defies logic or moves you at the deepest level, it penetrates your soul, it actually can change you. And that's what I want to do today. I want to take just a minute, and if you just allow me to help us to just behold Jesus for just a few minutes, I believe that Jesus can change your life. 
and transform you. So you got some notes in your program when you came in. They look like this. And typically we have notes with blanks, and so they're all filled in. So it's a lot easier today. And you, can, you, might, you got a pen when you came in. Just love it if you were to go along. If something jumps out at you as I'm talking or reading a Bible verse, would you circle it and just you know, allow God to speak to you in that way? And maybe later you can use this as a way to just read and to think about God and his love for you. So just uh, you can have that as we go through this. But I'm just going to ask you to behold Jesus with me because you're here because of Jesus, whether you're willing to admit it or not. You're here because of Jesus, whether you're willing to admit it or not. We celebrate Christmas because of Jesus. Christmas is a celebration of the birth of Jesus, God in flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. And folks, if we're willing to take the time to behold him, I believe that we can be changed and we can be transformed. Okay, So we're, <clears throat> we're basing this series on uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, these verses here that are on chapter 3, these verses on your notes, but I'll also put it on your screens here. Paul's writing here and he says this. We all, so when he says we all, he's talking about all those who have said yes to Jesus. So just know that. He's, that's, that's the crowd he's talking to here. We all with unveiled face, so we can see clearly, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed. So beholding leads to transformation. And that we're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. So what is the image? Image is Jesus. So what he's saying here is that we're being transformed from one degree of glory to another. And what that says is, is transformation is a process. It's something that happens. And so the rest of your life, once you say yes to Jesus, it's a continual process of him transforming you and conforming you to look like his son. See, following Jesus, being a Christian, you just need to hear him this today. Maybe it's for some of you this will set you free. Maybe for some of you this is why you left church or don't go to church at all. Christianity is not about behavior management. It's not. Christianity is not about being religious. I'll just say it. Christianity is not about being political. It's about seeing and being transformed by the one we behold. See, when the angels came to the shepherds and they spoke to them on that night, they didn't say, behave. <laughs> they said, behold. Behold is what they were calling them to do. See, that word behold is powerful, and it's used many times in the Bible to get people's attention, to draw them to something so that they wouldn't miss it, something that the writer wanted to take notice of. That word behold means to see or observe something, something that's remarkable. Thayer's Greek lexicon translates it this way or talk, defines it this way and says this, it is used in the New Testament when a thing happens that is unexpected yet sure. So... It surprised me. I wasn't expecting this to happen, but it did happen, and it's sure that it did. Or when it seems impossible and yet occurs. I'm just thinking of the virgin birth here. It seems impossible, and yet it actually occurred. Several times then, people in the Bible, angels specifically, or people who followed God, they used the word behold to draw people's attention. To a young virgin, the angel came and said, behold, you shall conceive a child. Impossible. And yet it occurred. The shepherds on a hillside said, Behold, for this day in the city of David is born to you a Savior, Christ the Lord. To the people who are following him, John the Baptist pointed to Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Behold is a command to look. It's a command to observe and to see. Now, the inspiration for this series kind of came in a sideways way for me. 
uh, we were doing our series, Love Everyone Always, and I was doing a lot of research for that because I really wanted to work hard to present how you and I could learn to love others and how that could change the world as we love them through Christ. And I was listening to a man speak. His name is Richard Mao. He's a philosopher. Uh, and as he was speaking, he talked about this um, concept that uh, came from a philosopher from, let's see, 531 BC, so a long time before Jesus. And his name is Anaxagoras. And Anaxagoras had his own kind of, they call it a pagan catechism. So it was a catechism, but it was, from, it was from pagan roots. It wasn't from biblical roots. And so he would, you know, catechisms ask questions. And so his first question was, why are you here on earth? And his answer was, you are here to behold. And he went on to say this. He says, our awareness of reality is always connected to seeing. It's always connected to seeing. So then Joseph Pieper He's also a philosopher, and he wrote in the 1900s, uh, in our time, and he was asked to give lectures to some art students, and he uses this phrase from Anaxagoras, and then he comes along and he says this. He says, we are here to behold, and he says it's a certain kind of seeing, it's a certain kind of viewing, a certain kind of visioning of reality. And so what he's saying here is, is that to behold is to see, and it's a certain kind of seeing. It's a seeing that doesn't just look and then walk away, but it's a seeing that then brings in what was seen so that it actually transforms who we are. And so when I contemplated about this, I realized the most important thing that I could do on this Christmas Eve and this Advent season is this, just to get us to stop and behold the birth of the one we celebrate, the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, in order to do that, I'm going to do something a little different. Uh, and so typically, you know, you come to Christmas services and you'll hear the Christmas story and hear reflections on the Christmas story and what does it mean. But what I want to do is I want to do something that you might not expect. And so you heard the verses read. We're actually going to move into the book of Hebrews. That's in the New Testament. And the book of Hebrews was written to Hebrews. It was written to God's people, Jewish people who had come to faith in Jesus and explaining how Jesus was the fulfillment of the prophecies to be the Messiah. So that's the purpose of the book. And the beginning of the book is the introduction, the verses I want to use today to talk about Jesus and ask you to observe him with me. We look at these, we're going to be able to see that. And so I'm going to give you three things that these verses talk about, and it's the three things our church has looked at over the three weeks, that Jesus is prophet, priest, and he's king. So the first idea is this. <clears throat> When we behold Jesus, we see the prophet who speaks to us for God. We see the prophet who speaks to us for God. Now, this is what it says, beginning in verse 1. Long ago, God spoke many times and many ways through our ancestors, through the prophets. And now in these final days, he's spoken to us through his son. So what he's saying here is that before the time of Jesus, that God would call a prophet, God would anoint a prophet, and then God would speak through his words through a prophet, it would be in a specific time to a specific people for a specific purpose. And then he would have another prophet, specific people, time, and purpose. So that was the way that God spoke through the prophets. And what he's saying now, and God had all kinds of ways he did that. He did it through circumstances. <clears throat> he did it through actual people. He even did it through a donkey. You can read that in the Bible, that he spoke through a donkey. Or he did it through circumstances in some way. But now he's saying that God spoke through Jesus <clears throat> in this time. And he says it's the final days. Now, what he's saying here is he's saying this is God's 
final word. So those were all temporary words, but this is God's lasting word that he's speaking through Jesus Christ. And he goes on to say this, God promised everything to the Son as inheritance, and through the Son, he created the universe. The Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. So when Jesus came, Jesus says, when you see me, you've seen the Father. Jesus said, the words I say are the words that came from the Father. So then when Jesus speaks, he's speaking the words of the Father. So we can hear when we read the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when we read those four gospel accounts, when we're reading Jesus' words, we're seeing him relate to people, we can say, this is the way God relates to people. This is the way God speaks to people. This is the way God cares for people. This is the way God loves people. This is the way God challenges people. But not only did he do it through his words, it says that he's the very character of God. So now we can look at Jesus and the way he interacted with people, and we can say, well, that would be the way God would interact with people. That'd be the way God would interact with people who had failed, or people who had disappointed, or people who had rejected him, or people who had guilt, or people who had made mistakes, or people who didn't believe, or people who had been beaten down. So folks, if you really want to know how God feels about you, read the words of the Gospels, and you'll see how Jesus relates to people, and you'll see that Jesus speaks and acts God's love for you. He speaks and acts God's love for you. And so what that means, the good news for us, is because of Jesus, we can all hear from God. You can hear from God. Every one of us can hear from God. When Jesus speaks, he's giving us direct access to God's wisdom. You guys ever need wisdom more than you have? can't tell you how many times that you know, cried out for wisdom in my life. But when Jesus speaks, he's actually giving us God's wisdom. So Jesus, God, created the world, created us, knows us, knows everything about us. So it would behoove us to listen to him as he talks about life as we follow him. The beauty of this is you and I can hear from God. Now, there was a promise given by a prophet named Jeremiah in the Old Testament about this. And this is what he says. No longer, <clears throat> pointing forward to Jesus, no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. It's hope for all of us, folks. The least of them to the greatest shall be able to hear from God. Second thing I want to mention is this. When we behold Jesus, we see the priest who brings us to God. The priest who brings us to God. <clears throat> this is what he says in verse 3a. When he had cleansed us, I hear you guys <coughs> clearing your throat for me, but it's not working, okay? <coughs> I don't know what just happened a while ago, but I've lost it. <coughs> so here's where we go, 3A. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in a place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. So the role of the priest in the Jewish culture was to be a bridge between God and people, to be a bridge between God and people. So a prophet spoke to people for God. A priest, on the other hand, speaks to God for people. And so that's what Jesus does. Jesus comes before the Father and speaks to the Father on our behalf. And then what he does is he provides, because he's the great sacrifice, he provides access to God for everyone who comes to him. So every one of us can come to know God. This is what, and because of Jesus, then we can know God. Because of that, we can know God. 
You wonder, can you know God? I'm just saying, folks, you can. You can. Hebrews 7 talks about this sacrifice idea. It's reflecting on all the priests that had come before Jesus. And it says this, unlike those other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices every day. They did this for their own sins first and then for the sins of the people. So here's the deal. In the Old Testament culture and their sacrificial system, the priest would offer a sacrifice in the morning and a sacrifice in the evening. Sacrifice in the morning for, was for any sin that you might have committed in your sleep. Sacrifice in the evening was for any sin you'd committed during the day. And so you would go through this, and they had to do it every day because you had to be cleansed from sin every day. But then it says this about Jesus. Jesus did this once for all. So he did this in this one time. One sacrifice for all time for all sin. When he offered himself as a sacrifice for the people's sin. Now, because of Jesus and that once-for-all sacrifice, there are no more sacrifices are needed. Your account can be marked as paid in full. No more debt when you turn to him and receive his gift. So, folks, <clears throat> you never have to wonder if you're acceptable to God. You never have to wonder. You never have to wonder if God wants to be with you. Jesus came to give us the greatest gift we could ever receive. And that gift is to know that we are loved, to be able to be in his presence, to be able to have something we couldn't earn. Now, I'm going to show you a video clip here. I ran across this yesterday. It, came, it was in my, my social media feed yesterday, and it was so moving to me. And it paints the picture of what I'm talking about here is that we get a gift we couldn't earn. We get something that we could not have, uh, that we didn't deserve. And so yesterday, I saw this clip. And it's about Bradley Pinion. Bradley Pinion is the punter for the San Francisco 49ers. Okay, he's the punter. He's also a nominee for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. You guys know what that means. That means it's given to uh, a player, but there's a player from every team nominated, and it's, uh, it's the player who's the most involved in the community to help people who have needs. Now, that nomination alone, the, every person who's nominated gets two tickets to the Super Bowl. Now, the Super Bowl this year is in Minneapolis, and it's the Super Bowl 52. And what Bradley Pinion did is he took his two tickets and he gave them to one of his biggest fans, to his lifelong friend, Jason. He told Jason and his family through a video call that he was giving him this gift. Let's watch what happened. So I met Jason basically when I was born. Um, we went to hometown church together, and he has always been one of my biggest fans. So we kind of had a relationship with him my whole entire uh, my life. And as I've gotten older and kind of gotten into football and into the NFL, uh, Jason's been my number one fan. So Jason thinks that he's actually doing a Christmas surprise for me. Um, and my mom told him that they were going to do a special Christmas video uh, to send to me um, because I've always loved Jason. And, Jason hugs is what we call him. He gives the best hugs. So we're kind of, they're thinking we're doing something along those lines. And really, I have the surprise of them. So it's going to be a tricky turn of events. Hey, there we go. How are y'all doing? We're good. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. Yeah. Been winning a lot of games. Did you just finish practicing? Yes, ma'am, we did. Just finished practice and uh, had a little special announcement for y'all. Oh, 
Oh, yeah. So Jason, you know what the Super Bowl is? Oh, yeah. You know what the Super Bowl is? So you remember how I got nominated for Walton Payton Man of the Year? Yeah. So with the Walton Payton Man of the Year comes two Super Bowl tickets. Yeah. And I wanted to invite you and your dad to the Super Bowl this year. So it's going to be flight paid for, hotel paid for, and game tickets to the Super Bowl. And I couldn't think of a better person that symbolizes what the man of the year should be than you. And I wanted to give you these tickets. Yeah, I have to come get a Jason hug. I love you guys and uh, Merry Christmas. Thank you. Merry Christmas, and we love you too, Bradley, more than you'll ever know. Wow. That's so awesome. Got a ticket he didn't deserve. And that's the same, tr that's the truth for all of us as well. Is it because Jesus is priest, we all get a ticket we don't deserve to a place we can't even imagine yet, a place called heaven, to be with God. And I just love the verses from Hebrews 4 that describe this. It says, now let us then come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. He's a God of grace. There we will receive his mercy. It means we won't receive what we deserve. And we will find grace, which means we receive more than we deserve, to help us when we need it most. Come to him. You can know God. Last thing I want to share is this. When we behold Jesus, we see the king who secures our future with God. He secures our future with God. Hebrews 1.4 then says this. After Jesus had lived and then died was buried and then resurrected, he ascended to the Father. And it says this, he sat down now in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. This shows that the Son is far greater than the angels. So he's been elevated to the highest position, just as the name God gave him is greater than their names. So Jesus now has above, been lifted above all created beings. He's with God in the beginning. He was part of the creation. He created the angels. And now he's been lifted up to say he is now the king. He's the king of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. In fact, Revelation 1 talks about this. It says, behold, he's coming in the clouds, and everyone will see him. And then Revelation 19, Kim talked about this last week in her message on him as king. Revelation 19 talks about the fact that he will come again. And it says when he comes again, he will come riding a white horse. And that he will have on his, this sash on him. And But some translations actually read in a way that make it sound to me, I'll just say to me, like it's a tattoo on his thigh. And the tattoo on his thigh says that he is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. 
That's who he is. And because of that's who he is, then you and I can live securely, knowing that when we are living underneath his umbrella of authority, that he will take care of us in all situations. I know there's hard situations. He'll take care of us in all situations. And because of that, because he's king, we can walk with God. We can walk securely with God, both now and in that day when we get to be with him in eternity. Now, I know that some of you are facing a lot of difficulty when it comes to Christmas. I've already had opportunity, both before last service and after last service, to pray with people. And they come, and there's a lot of pain at Christmas time. There's something about Christmas that just turns up the heat underneath what is just a normal pain, and it magnifies it and makes it even greater. You have financial stress. You have relational issues that happen with kids or grandkids or parents in some way. You have grief because this is a Christmas. Or you have loss. You've lost someone special. You have complications that are in your life because of sickness or uh, health. You have jobs or career that are just kind of derailed or stalled, and you're wondering, you know, what's going to happen. Some of you are facing either yourself or your parents or your grandparents. You're facing the aging and Alzheimer's and dementia that comes with aging for many people in our world today. Some of you have over just overwhelming circumstances. Some of you just have unanswered questions. You don't know how, where you can go. Some of you are in the middle of conflict or discord. Just look at our world. We look at our world, and it's full of conflict and discord, hate and divisiveness. And we look at that, and, and we have disappointment, maybe. And some of us have unmet expectations as we're going through life. And I just want to encourage you with this at Christmas. Because you came, or because Jesus came, you can personally hear from God. So you need wisdom for those circumstances? He will give it to you. Because Jesus came, that you can know God. So when you feel alone or you feel your circumstances are against you, you have a God who loves you. When you learn to be loved by God, then you can be secure. You can actually go the last step and you can make him your king or you turn over all control to him and say, I'm going to walk with you every day. And when you do that, he transforms you. Now I want to read some verses. Just, just going to read straight Bible here for just a second and just let God's word speak. Ephesians 1 says this, now he, talking about Jesus, is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. John 1, or John 20, at the end of his book, John's writing and he says, but these are written, so all the things he's written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you'll have life by the power of his name. And then John 8, 12, love this. Jesus spoke to the people once more, and he said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness, because you will have the light that leads to life. So folks, because the impossible occurred, because the unexpected became sure, because of Christmas, there's a cross. And because of the cross, there's a crown. Jesus will crown us someday, the Bible says. We will have a crown that we give to him. What I want to do is we're going to end with a song, though, which talks about us seeing him as king and worshiping him as our king. After this, I'll come back and we'll pray together.
questions I like to ask in my prayer. Uh, the first one is, I just want to ask today, would you be willing to make Jesus your prophet? He came to be your prophet, but he's a gentleman. He won't push his way in. 
Would you allow him to speak God's truth to you? Would you say to him, I'm going to make you the source of my reality. I'm going to look to you for wisdom. Would you be willing to make Jesus your priest today? Where you say, Jesus, I need you. I want to know God. I'm separated from God by my sin. I want to, right now, I want to appropriate into my life what you made possible on the cross. I want to receive you and the sacrifice that you made for me. I am acceptable to God. God loves me. Would you be willing to make Jesus your king? I think this is the hardest one. It means surrendering. It means turning over. It means letting him call the shots. It means putting your doubts in the trunk as you go through life. Would you be willing to make him your king? When you do that, then you can trust that all in your life has been filtered through his loving hands. He's a sovereign God. You live underneath this umbrella of authority. Trust him. Be there with you. God, I just thank you for Jesus. And I just thank you for this opportunity we had today to behold him. And I, my prayer is, is that we've all been transformed. We've all been changed. Help us to behold him more and more. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.